0: Good morning, this morning's scripture reading is from Colossians chapter one, starting in verse 15, which can be found on page 983 in the Bibles in the pews in front of you. Colossians chapter one, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Back in the spring, I think it was in May, we witnessed the coronation of King Charles. I watched a little bit of that coverage, not a ton, but just enough to get a sense of it, and uh, they said at one point that there had been 63 monarchs of England before Charles. Sixty-three over 1,200 years, the first being Ethelstan, after Ethelstan's sister married Citric, the Viking ruler, and he died. He became the first true king of England, which I think someone made a TV show about that, I'm not sure. Um, It is weird though, as as you think all the way back, thousands of years to Uhtred, son of Uhtred, and 63 kingships ascended to that throne. Over one country, many years, Charles, is the king now and he's 74 years old and so many of you will witness his son ascending to the throne and some of you are young enough that you might see his grandson who's 10 years old become king one day becoming king used to carry um, weight the weight of an entire country the, the, the pressure and um, just the, the weight of becoming a king that, that like in a second as the crowns placed on your head, the weight of the country is on your shoulders. One single wrong move could mean famine. It could mean your life or the life of your loved ones or complete annihilation of your country and forever. Being known as a failure. Both the weight and the glory has diminished over time, especially in a, a, a democratic monarch. But it shouldn't be lost on us as we witness that, and you witness the kingships of history through different nations, that that every single king that has ever put a crown on his human head passed away. Passed away. Every single king that took their place in, in history died, and that kingship passed to another person, just like one day Prince Andrew will take the crown of Charles, and just like Prince George will take his crown. And we'll watch the coronation of those kings. and. I want you to understand today that, like, this text that you just had read over you is the coronation. It's the proclamation of Paul over Christ's kingship. Like, that's what it is. Your Bibles say uh, in the heading, the preeminence of Christ. And and, and that, that is true, but it's the coronation that we're witnessing today and Paul's theological coronation of the lordship and the preeminence of Jesus Christ and in so doing what he does is he he's seeking to erase falsehoods he's seeking to erase lies and the potential of years of infighting and disagreements in the church that's what he's trying to do here he's trying to serve this little church plant and, 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 and just, just the same, he's serving us this morning as he torches the way the world gets Jesus wrong and he makes divisions clearly and categorically and theologically and fully about who Jesus is. And, and so that's what we get to witness this morning. And the world has been getting it wrong since day one to distort Jesus and what Jesus accomplished. If you don't know that that's the program of this world, that is the program to distort Jesus and what he's accomplished and to minimize Christ's followers, not just him to minimize his mission on Earth and what he's accomplishing. That's that's what's happening. And so Paul's is like proclaiming the Lordship and kingship of Jesus for us this morning. And we just get to absorb it as he serves us from 2000 years ago inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's a cornucopia of Pauline Christology this morning. That's what it is. We could spend weeks going through one verse of this just to get a little bit of its value. It's potent and it's excessive. That's what it is. And I hope today that you'd see Paul not just sort of waxing poetic about his buddy Jesus, but that the words would become medicine to you this morning, like the spirit inspired words of Paul is treating the many lies that surround you about who Jesus is and what he accomplished. that that, that it would inoculate us from the infection of heresy and lie, and that's my hope today. My hope today is that you would see the king clearly. You would see the king clearly, and that you would experience, even as we read this together, his kingdom like wrapping around your life. Wrapping around your life. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for Um, Just the the reality and the beauty of gathered saints under your word singing and proclaiming with voices lifted high your majesty and your value. Lord, we, 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 we feel this morning the tangible kingdom of God and yet we live in a world that's just full of wicked leaders. We've almost gotten used to it, God. And we long for the eternal kingdom with a holy king who's always good, always loving, always just. And Lord, we're prone to forget the full scope of your lordship and your glory. And so in some way through this passage as we're prone to forget, would you remind us Would you help us to not minimize who you are? What you've done, in fact, like, would you give your people the gift of seeing that you're uniquely qualified to reconcile us? And you have uniquely reconciled us. So help us to see that. Help me as I herald your word about who you are, and may all the Thoughts and feelings and reflections of my heart glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, what's fun? Um, for us right now in this season as we're going through the book of Colossians is we're, we're not just doing this as King's Cross, but um, um, we've been doing our sermon prep with Pastor Wendell of Bethel. So we do, um, our pastors get together and we do like sermon building workshops where we all sort of work on stuff together, create a framework, and then let the preacher run with it. And so we've been doing that with Pastor Wendell um, the last several weeks, and, they're, and Bethel's doing this book with us. So, so when we say we are going through this book, like we actually mean Bethel and King's cross are going through this together. And so, um, we thought one, it's just fun. Um, but it's also just our goal to promote unity amongst our two churches. And, and, um, and, and so we, uh, pastor Wendell going to come and preach back to back, you know, our service and then Bethel service and I'll do the same. And so that's what we're doing. Just so you know, like, so if you see Bethel people, just say hi. You, you can talk to them about a lot of stuff, right? Like, um, they're wonderful. They're, they're awesome, faithful brothers and sisters. And so, just want to like let you know that, that we're doing it, like we're doing it together. That's what we mean by that. Okay, so the preeminence of Christ, most of your Bibles probably say that, right? Like in the header. And 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 listen, I'm gonna call it Paul's coronation of the preeminent king. That's a mouthful, but that's what I'm gonna call it. And 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 the reason, like you can if you like that, you can mark out your header like I did mine. And that's because those headers, I don't know if you know it, but that ain't the original text, right? Some really smart people added that and hit the spacebar a few times. And and that's what they thought. That paragraph goes together. And sometimes we agree with that, right? You probably know, you go through it, you're like, we're about eighty percent of the time, about twenty percent of the time we're like, ah. I I like that last verse with this part, you know, and that fits our, our service and our, our body better. So that's what we do, and, and uh, that, that's what I think we're talking about. This, this little group, and in that group of verses are seven things. Seven things that Paul says about Jesus that are like our gifts. And when, when, when Charles was, in, was coronated, and any king is, they, 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 they sit there and they proclaim the greatness and the, the works of that king and what that kingship means. That's kind of what they do. And they do it for days and days on end, all kinds of events, and they put all the stuff on them, the crown and a scepter and a, like that type of stuff. This is what we're experiencing. Seven things about the preeminence and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So we're going to hit those today um, as we go through this first, Paul helps us know Jesus and we know Jesus in this passage because he says he's the image of the invisible God. And Paul's saying that Jesus, he is God. That's what he's saying. He, he is God, he wants all Christians to know that Jesus wasn't just a godly man, that he, he was both God and man, and in this day, it's a bigger problem than it should be in the church. Like, there's real scientific surveys and data that says that 30% of the church does not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. 30%! I want to cry if half of that's true. Like I want to, that is the that is a basis of our faith, right? Like it is it is what we believe. Jesus said that he was God. The apostles confirmed that. We worship Jesus as 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 God. Not just Jesus as a guy that did some good stuff and said some smart things and martyred himself. We worship the God-man Jesus. That's who we worship. And Paul, Paul tells the church in Corinth, he's like, listen, if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, which is something only gods do, right? That's something only gods do, is they are risen from the dead. Like, if Christ wasn't risen from the dead, then your faith is in vain. We are to be pitied without hope as the most miserable people on earth. Like, that's what Paul said. And so he's like starting out going, listen, if we're going to say anything about Jesus, he's the image of God. He is God himself. He's not just kind of like God. Not just a godly man, he is God. He's the genuine article, is what he's saying. He's the genuine article. And that is an unending well of hope for you. That's an unending well of hope for you and me. Paul wants you to know Jesus as God this morning. Number two, Paul wants you to know that he is the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Paul wants you to know Jesus as creator. That's what he wants you to know. And I don't know if I don't know if I like fully understand why for me that that, that that this hits me the way it does. And I've known Jesus as Creator theologically my entire Christian walk. I think I think I've I can't remember when I, when I learned that, but it was very early on as a Christian. And when I hear that, when I read this passage. it's it's not like i keep forgetting but there's at times like i feel like i'm walking around with an eight bit view of jesus right like that's kind of what it feels like it's just it's not a wrong view (laughs) but it's like it's a right view but it's like eight bit and then when i read this it's like the world cosmically opens up and i see this high definition jesus i don't know if you've had that experience but that's what happens to me and i think the reason that it happens is because when you see jesus as the creator of everything heaven and earth all things through him by him they're created when you see that it, it 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 the proclamation of that just promotes cascading theological frameworks right like that's what it does because you're like okay well he wasn't He wasn't born in Nazareth, like, okay, well, he was born, but so, but he was back there and, 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 and and we, we, what we get given to us is, is just a lot of beauty about who he is. And, and so, so that's what it does is it just sort of starts to open up as you see Jesus as creator, um, all of these wonderful cascading frameworks, and it erases any inclination to see him as a guru. It iterations any inclination. And listen, you have to deal with this. Like, if you're a Christian, or if you're not a Christian, maybe you're just sort of, you you know, here to kind of hear the claims of Christianity. You're maybe you're you're not there from a faith standpoint. You, this causes us to have to deal with it. We have to deal with the fact that he isn't just some first century guru that got martyred we have to deal with with real belief and real faith about who Jesus is was he the creator before all things what does the bible consistently teach us is true we have to deal with that and if Jesus is the creator we now have a trinity we have a big big god that's master not just of like our emotions and our internal world or even just the spiritual world, we have a God who's the master of the physical world as well. And remembering that should infuse our prayer life, how we think, how we believe and how we live. Paul wants us to know Jesus as creator. Verse 17, it says, and he is before all things. Paul wants you to know him as the eternal one. This is sort of the implication of him as creator. This is Paul saying, Hey, he was before all things. Meaning in light of his creation, see him as always having been see him in that way. See him as always having been that that alone means that he is before everything. He is before it, and he is before all things. Now that phrase, "and he is before all things, verse 15 says that he is the first bo- firstborn of all creation, it, it causes some issues because we got to deal with what, what does that mean? What does it mean that he's before and then he's the firstborn, and that word or that phrase is used in Luke 2 when it said that Jesus was the firstborn of Mary right but the bible uses that term uses that term in different ways in fact we see in psalm 89 27 how the how the old testament expresses this phrase firstborn in a different way listen i will also appoint him talking about the messiah i will also appoint him my firstborn i will also appoint him my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth." In, in other words, what the Old Testament does with firstborn is it uses it as a proclaimed status of God's sovereign choice. In fact, God uses that phrase over Israel many times. And so that, that's what it means. So here the metaphor of firstborn distinguishes, distinguishes Jesus from all creation. So, so, Paul doesn't want us to be unaware. He's not saying, like, he's, he, he's not saying that Jesus was created. That's not what he's saying. And gosh, church, church history has some stains there. And so, Paul's asserting Christ's primacy over creation, not just from within creation. That's what he's doing. That, so, he wants us to see him as creator and, eter- and the eternal one number four and he is before all things and in him all things hold together paul wants you to see jesus as sustainer that's what he wants you to see that in him all things hold together that's this verb takes us from this cosmic language that paul's using of creation right like eternity past he's always been like the swath of human history he's taking us and then he like sort of he he sort of starts to pull us in he he starts to pull us in so that we can see that this cosmic world isn't in chaos and jesus is the one who's keeping it from that like we're tempted to look at the vastness of earth and all the stuff happening around that's bad terrible and feel like the world is spinning in chaos. And Paul's like, no, 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 that's not it. What what happened was God didn't just, he, he didn't just like create heaven and earth and then he like abandoned us to figure it out. He's sustaining it. He's he is the present manager, the acting manager of the world. That's that's how we need to see him. One writer said that it's not going far enough. We have to understand that he's not only the force that preserves the cosmos, but he is the rhyme and the reason of it. He's the basic operating principle and it's controlling existence. It's not just that he's like trying to figure out how to hold things together in the world as it's spinning out, like its basis of its preservation in this world is him and and so so for us friends like the universe isn't self-sufficient it doesn't go on by itself and neither are you the universe and you are totally dependent upon jesus every hour every moment every second every material thing in this world is dependent upon him to manage it and to keep it and to sustain it and even the irony is even the person who has no faith in jesus who does not believe in jesus is completely dependent upon him moment by moment you could never be cut off from this reality Let your life and your prayers grow from this reality that he is the sustainer. So he decides pluses and minuses, rights and left. He is the sustainer rest, rest your prayers in that truth, rest your prayers in that truth. Number five, Paul wants us to know Jesus as the chief shepherd, verse 18. He is the head of the body the church, and he is the head of the body of the church. And I, I love this because it has really important implications for pastors, but, but, but what has happened here is that Jesus has promised to build his church and he's promised to lead his church. And he is claiming that he is the head of the church. And I don't think it's too far to take that metaphor and ask, what does the head do? Well, the head does almost everything in in the way of regulating all the systems of the body. It keeps the body from danger. It tells the body to rest. It tells the body to work, right? Like the head does so much in controlling and helping all the parts of the body actually move and operate in the way that God had designed the body to work. And so that's what Paul's saying here very clearly and very simply. And it should give us hope. It should give us hope this morning that, 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 that God isn't going and doing God stuff. And he, and he put me here and, and your other pastors here as under shepherds to just kind of try to lead you while he goes and does God stuff. He's got other things in the world that are kind of more important than us, right? Like that, that could be your, your inclination. What this says is the God stuff Is what he's doing here that's what it means like he he's not distracted by the world he loves his bride and he dodes on her he he wants to be fully present there's no limitations to his love his attention his power for us that's what this means there's no limitations the god stuff jesus does is with us it's with us he hasn't left us He's the chief shepherd, we're following him. He's the head of the body. He hasn't left us. He is leading us. He is present and he loves the church more than any of us could love the church. And so let that fill your life. Let that fill your membership. Let that fill your prayers. Let let, let those blessings of God's love for his church fill your heart and mine this morning. Number six. Paul wants you to know Jesus as preeminent, as preeminent. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. What this means is that he's literally the first of the new creation. That Christ's resurrection is now the source of all new life. That's what it means. One might ask, does Christ not already have supremacy? We just read in 17, and he's before all things. Does, does he not already have supremacy? Well, well yes. Yeah, he, he already has it. He already has it. But, but what is happening here is Paul is creating a parallel in, in, in this passage. And so you could draw a line, like if you do that sort of thing, like you could draw a line um carefully draw a line in between 17 and 18 okay and so what paul's doing is he's used this big cosmic language about who jesus is right and now he's paralleling the creation jesus through cosmic history and the new creation that's what he's doing so so you see like jesus in the new creation And so we've transitioned into that section of this passage and so and i want you to notice something real quick just to sort of finish the last part where does he begin the new creation conversation the church not me not you so it's important to see that like he begins talking about the new creation as we that's what he He's talking about we, the body of Christ. So so that that's what we're doing. He began talking about the p- church. Yes, he's pre, preeminent, supreme. He, Paul's making that point as eternal creator Jesus. And it's important that you see his preeminence in the new creation. That, that, that God is confirming the work that he has done and who he is and he has not changed. And so we just see that sort of coming alive. He's preeminent. He is, He's outlining again his firstness, his primacy, his preeminence in the new creation. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He's starting it. He was resurrected, he has a glorious body. You will have a body like that one day. You will have a body like that. Number seven, Paul wants you to know Jesus this morning as reconciler. Listen. Verse 19, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. You see the sequence in him through him, to him. We saw that in, in verse 16, and then we get to see it repeated here. You see, the, you see how these parallel each other in 19 and 20? In him, through him, to him. In the beginning, God created all things through Christ. In the end, God will reconcile all things through Christ. Like that's what, that's what we get to see. We see the fullness, we get to see the swath, we get to see, we get to see the, 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 the internal consistency of scripture all in this one little bite. And then we see the mention of the blood of his cross. The blood and the cross, they, they bring us sort of necessarily out of the, the sort of cosmic language, right? Like it just, it, it's like Paul's like, hey, just, let's just pull in here for a minute. Let's just talk about the blood. Let's talk about this reconciler of ours. Like I, I love the finish because you're face to face with the atoning blood that shed for you frees you from sin. It is the forgiveness and love of God packaged for you to believe it and to receive it this morning. It brings us face to face with not just the cosmic bigness and power of majesty and glory of God, which we need badly, but the love of a savior, of a Messiah, of a friend, of a brother, who, who lays down his life and offers you his, his his coat, his royal coat, his very identity, and brings you into his family. The blood is God's atoning work, and without it, we do not have the forgiveness of sins. We're still lost in sin. We're, we're not part of the new creation. It is the blood. It is the cross. It is the atoning work of Calvary that, that, that brings us to the new creation. Where we can see that Jesus is uniquely qualified to reconcile us. And he has uniquely sacrificed himself to do that. Like that's, what, that's what we get to receive. That's what we get to see. When Amy and I visited Mount St. Helens, I don't know how long ago, it seems like decades now, It's probably two decades ago. I don't know if it's changed much, probably not. Um, we visited Mount St. Helens and there's an observatory near uh, the top that you stop at and there's like a gift shop. We got some smoked salmon, that's what I remember. Um, it's the first time I ever had it like that. It's <clears> overlooking <throat> um, so a huge valley. I don't know, I think we were there with people so we were just out there for a long time. And we were looking at this valley that was just destroyed by that volcano. And it had recovered, obviously, by then. I was a child when that mountain erupted. And we're watching it and we're just sitting there kind of looking at it. It, it. it was beautiful. Like, I mean, mountains are beautiful, they're glorious, it, and you're looking at how the recovery happened. And it, it was just a tremendous experience. And then at one point, we sort of noticed these people that were in this overlook area, and they had those big, giant binoculars that they were sort of looking through. And, and I was, you know, too cheap to spend the 50 cents on that. You know, we could see it right there with our own eyes. Um, it's before I had bad eyesight. Today I'd spend the. Far more than that. Uh, but I was watching these people, and I was watching them as they, as they would go to the binoculars. And I look through the binoculars, and they would sort of turn around and come away with smiles and sort of talking, and you, you sort of get the sense that there's something good happening there, and you're not part of it, and you're like, well, I gotta look through those binoculars. And so we did. We went and we looked through the binoculars, and they like, what, what was unbelievable is that as we st- stared at this valley with this little stream in it, um, these trees that are recovered, when you look through the binoculars, the entire landscape was different. It was a valley full, teeming with life, with, with elk and deer that we couldn't see before. That little stream that we were like, oh, that's kind of cute, was a river. Like it, the reality was when you look through it, it just, this, this sort of beautiful thing open up, It was unbelievable that what we were looking through with our naked eye when we looked through those binoculars was the actual truth. Now, what I was seeing was true. It wasn't a lie, but it wasn't the fullness. It wasn't the fullness. And that's what Paul's trying to do this morning in this word, is that he doesn't want us to look at the rest of this book through that eight bit eyeball of yours. He wants you to see through God's word who Jesus is. Like That's what he wants you to do. And throughout the rest of this book, I hope that you will take this passage and that you will remember it and that it will open up the most beautiful and accurate world of Christ to you. That, that, that through, through this, you would believe in Jesus, that you would see Jesus, that you would worship Jesus, that you would follow Jesus, and yes, that you would proclaim him, that you would proclaim him in your life, to your friends, to your family, to your coworkers, to certainly to to this roof as we sing together, like proclaim the risen Jesus. Proclaim it as as we go through this book together As I watched Charles' crown placed on his head and the finality of the pageantry and the process and and all this stuff, I couldn't just help but think of a future day. Just watching the, the imagery of that sort of reminded me of some scripture and there is a day coming. There's a day coming when the coronation of coronations will occur. And on that day, a crown will be placed on King Jesus's head and that crown will not infer any kind of power to him, it will be a small symbol of his power. And not just power over one nation or a commonwealth, it is the power over the eternal throne and all of creation as his enemies are vanquished. Like that is the reality. And we can barely imagine that day with our minds. Anything that we could conjure up, the most artistic and imaginative imaginations of us could conjure up would be a dim reality of that glory. Like that is what is going to be revealed to us. Listen to first Timothy six for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and the only almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. See Jesus, the real Jesus. Love him, follow him, worship him, proclaim him in this season with us. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as, as um, the world looks for hope, As the world looks for hope, and as the world looks for purpose, and the world looks for an anchoring in really hard times, would you anchor your church in the truth of who you are? Lord, help us not settle, help us not to minimize the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, even as we, as we come to the table, like I pray that, that we would see this, this meal as family, but we'd also see you, King Jesus, all that you've done, all that you are. Lord, would you, would you open our eyes more this morning to the power of the gospel and to the beauty, the beauty and the preeminence of Christ. Help us to do that this morning as we worship, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.